0: Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and it is hot in the summertime in Columbus, Georgia. Don't have to tell you that. I know y'all are out traveling, but no matter who you are, where you are, what you've done, whatever you have going on, God is welcoming you home. So we invite you to come and join us as we celebrate our awesome God of love and of grace and joy. Come on in.
1: The first reading comes from the book of Psalm, verse 112, or chapter 112, verses 1 through 9. Praise the Lord! Happy are those who fear the Lord, who greatly delight in His commandments. Their descendants will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever." They rise in the darkness as a light for the upright. They are gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with those who deal generously and lend, who conduct their affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. They will be remembered forever. They are not afraid of evil tidings. Their hearts are firm, secure in the Lord. Their hearts are steady. They will not be afraid." In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have distributed freely. They have given to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Our second passage is taken from the Gospel of Luke. We are in chapter 14. I'll be reading 1 through 17. Listen for the word of the Lord. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. Just then in front of him, there was a man who had dropsy. And Jesus asked the lawyers and Pharisees, Is it lawful to cure people on the Sabbath or not? But they were silent. So Jesus took him and healed him and sent him away. Then he said to them, If one of you has a child or an ox that has fallen into a well, would you not immediately pull it out even on a Sabbath day? And they couldn't reply to this. And when Jesus noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come in and say, give this person your place, and then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowly place. But when you're invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, He may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus tells them, One gave a dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come for everything is ready now. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so let's go back to a little bit of yesteryear, depending on your age. Who remembers Hee Haw, the show? Columbus, Georgia, Sally, population, whatever we are, 200,000 all the bits and pieces that came with that. One of those pieces was the Pickin' and Grinnin' done by Buck Owens on the guitar, and who else? Mac Davis, who usually played the banjo. And both those guys were very talented. And Mac Davis had a separate solo music career from some songs you might remember. And one of them is a song called It's Hard to be Humble. Now, I cannot sing it to you or the ghost of Mac Davis will resurrect and put me in copyright jail. So I'm just going to speak to you the chorus. So as he tells this story live in concert, this was in a time where he was a big shot and a star. And he had come to town to play one of the biggest venues he had ever played. He got there a few days early. They put him up in the star suite. And so there he sat. There he lived in this big palatial suite. And he wakes up the next morning at 8 a.m. alone, all by himself, lonely. And in concert, the whole crowd goes, all, And he says, yeah, aw. And he says, I do. I did what I always do as a songwriter to help me get through hard times. So he picked up his guitar and he wrote this song for which I will just speak the chorus to you. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror. I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me. I must be a heck of a man. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. So hard not to sing that. There are more stanzas and verses that talk about his self-centered nature and how handsome and winsome and attractive and how everybody loves him while he continues this struggle with being humble when you're perfect in every way. Today, this passage from Luke is about just that, the understanding of how we are called to be humble in a world that doesn't train us to be humble. We are trained to seek power, to seek wealth, to get that top position at the seat and the table and to associate ourselves with those who also are are powerful and successful. So how then does Jesus' understanding of humbleness speak to us today? Let me first dispel the understanding that being humble means you are not worthy Often we look at humbleness as, well, you know, everybody else first and me last. I'm, I'm not worth having the big piece of the cookie. I'll take the little piece because, well, I just, you know, that, that's not for me. And no, humbleness is strength. Humbleness does not tell you especially if you have self-worth issues or self-esteem issues, does not tell you to grovel and make yourself even more insignificant. It is just the opposite. Being humbled is not putting everyone else first. And if you are right in the midst of some difficulties, mental, physical, spiritual things going on in your life that are difficult and it Time, Of course, that's life. There are always pieces. Sometimes you have to stop and take care of yourself first before you can attend to everybody else. The oxygen mask coming down on the plane. Put it on first so you can help others around you. If you need to stop and get yourself to a, a workable place of health so that you can move forward, then absolutely do that. That's not what this means. And it doesn't mean that because you're a Christian, you're not worthy of any wealth, status, power, or anything where anybody looks at you or anything of that nature. Did Jesus exemplify weakness in what he did? No. He exemplified a humble attitude, a servant nature He gave himself on the cross. Is that strong or weak? It is strength. He went up against all the power structures of his day. He was not weak. He was strong. So then what does this humbleness mean? If it's not just everybody else first and I'm I'm last... Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's take a look. In Luke 14, it begins on one occasion when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were all big shots, interpreters of the law, rules, regulations, and this was a leader of the Pharisees, and so this was a big shot as well. On the Sabbath, they were having a meal. And if you remember last week, we were in chapter 13, and Jesus was right in the middle of a synagogue service just like this, and he looked over, and who did he see? What's that? Thank you, Carl. The lady who was bent over was afflicted for 18 years. She didn't ask anything from Jesus. She was just back in worship. Be like me calling one of you up without us talking about this ahead of time. So she comes up and Jesus heals her on the Sabbath and the synagogue leader lost his mind. What are you doing? You cannot heal that woman on this day. Yesterday, yes, tomorrow, yes, not on the Sabbath. That is breaking a commandment. And through that conversation, Jesus tells them that sometimes people are more important even than the law. He doesn't dispel the law or do away with it. But he said, this bent over woman is more important than the fourth commandment. In this moment, in this time. Again, we don't do away with that. Jesus never said that. But to love your neighbor as yourself takes precedence over all of those laws, rules, and regulations. So again, Jesus calls our attention to the Sabbath, which we just studied. It is the next chapter. He is here to eat a meal. It is the next week. And in front of them, there was a man who had dropsy. Dropsy, anybody? Can be related to congestive heart failure, yes. My understanding is that it is when your body retains fluid Sometimes to the point where you become disfigured, you're still functional, but there's clearly something going on that you need help and relief from. So Jesus pokes the bear a little bit. They just had this conversation last week about the Sabbath. And he says, just puts it out to him, the lawyers and the Pharisees. Is it lawful to heal anyone on the Sabbath? Cure people on the Sabbath, but this time they knew better and they were silent. Nobody said a word. So Jesus healed him and sent him away. Again, a violation of the Sabbath. And then, knowing what they are thinking, nobody has said a word yet, but Jesus is on them as if he's in their minds. He says, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a ditch, technically that's work, and you're supposed to leave them till after the Sabbath. Who's going to do that? Nobody. You take care of that because there's people and livestock and lives at risk. Of course you will do that. That's why I healed this man. That's why I healed that woman. People are more important sometimes than the laws. So that was his reinforcement on this Sabbath understanding. Now we move on. And as people are sitting, dining with this big shot leader of the Pharisees, he sees people jockeying for position to get close. Elbows are flying like ACC basketball. Boom, 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 boom. And Jesus says, come on. He says, I will tell you that you need to not first go to the seat of honor, which would have been the middle of kind of their couching, uh, 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 lounging structure, the one closest to this leader of the Pharisees. Because you take the big shot seat there in the middle, because you think you are the highest on the power rung in the social status rung, you sit down there in the middle, guess what? Darn it. Somebody else might come who is perceived as being higher in status and power. And then your host is going to say, sorry, bud, you need to move down to the more common people side so we can make room for this person who is mightier and stronger than you. Jesus says instead of starting at the high end, you start on the low end so that if Instead of being disgraced by being asked to move down, you can be honored by being asked to move up. And that can be difficult for us to do. We want to be connected with people in power. We want to be connected to celebrities and people that we know who are movers and shakers. We are some of those movers and shakers Look at our celebrity culture in this country. We want to be connected. We want to be like them. And Jesus is saying, you can be successful. You can be powerful. You can have status. But the way that you wield that status tells us who you are and what you believe. There's a story about Henry Nouwen, a wonderful Roman Catholic priest, now deceased, a great author and theologian, one of my favorite book devotional guides, uh, Nowen's Here and Now. Pick that up at your local bookstore. So Nouwen uh, had served at a variety of Ivy League institutions and left to go to a place called La Arc, which was uh, a facility for intellectual and physically challenged adults. So as he began his time with this new setting, he met a, young, a man named Trevor. And Trevor was going to the local hospital for a few days of evaluation. And and wanted to go visit him, fine. So we called and said, can I come visit Trevor? And they said, oh, absolutely. And then they said, can we have a lunch for you? Because they knew he was a big shot and he was famous. And this theologian author is coming to their little hospital he says, sure. So he gets there to visit Trevor on the day of this luncheon and it is all set up in the golden room and all the administrators are there and now, and now looks around and says, where, where's my friend Trevor? And they said, Oh, you know, we're, we're sorry, but patients aren't allowed into this space to eat with the hospital officials. And now and says, You need to go find my friend Trevor, or I'm leaving right now. So they bring Trevor in. And while they're eating, and Andrew and I did not coordinate this ahead of time, he picks up his glass and said, If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. And then the, the room falls silent. And then he does it again, and this time now, joins him and says, If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. And then the third time, everybody joins in. If you're happy and you know it, then you're happy and you know it. If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. And so by the end, the whole room had joined in this celebration. Brought on by Nowen, who was a big shot who could have said, Place me at the head of the table, everyone else... I don't want the common people touching me, getting close to me. But it was just the opposite. Where's my friend who I came to see? And he needs to be here at the head table as well. And because of his unique gifts, he was able to break the walls and barriers down in that space. That is what we are called to do. Jesus doesn't say it's bad to be successful or have power. What he says is you need to use that splitting of the cookie, how you wield that power to help others who are in need. We all have some degree of power, and the way that we wield it says a lot about who we are. If you run a home or a business, or volunteer organizations in the community city neighborhood. Anytime we work with people, often we have a certain amount of power. How do we treat others who are both possibly above us in the pecking order and below us in the pecking order? Will you be a tyrant to those whom you employ? Is someone else a tyrant to you who employs you? Some things you have control over, some you don't. But the ones that you do, we are being called to be examples just as Christ was. Christ could have wielded his amazing and vast power in ways that put him on top, but he didn't. He chose a manger, not the palace. He chose not the priesthood, but to be a carpenter. He chose not a throne, but the cross. So we too are to be servants and humble. Humble, not being weak. The CEO of the largest company in this city, state, and world can be humble. It doesn't mean that they are less efficient. It doesn't mean that they sit around always and... Sing kumbaya with their people. But what it does mean is that they understand that there's a way that they use their power that can exalt others and bring them out of difficulty or just communicate with them and see them as human beings made by God through Christ. The way that we treat others is a lot of what this is about. How many times do we split that chocolate chip cookie and we got the shorter end and we kind of move the bigger end our way? When we know darn well, metaphorically, we've got a pantry full of chocolate chip cookies at home. We want the big one now because that's what we want. And we're going to get it because that's who we are. I didn't reach this place by not taking the biggest end of the chocolate chip cookie. But Christ is teaching us different So as we're called out today, this humbleness is not out of weakness. It is out of strength. Be confident. Be successful. Wield the power that you have been given, but in a way that brings others to the table, that lifts others so that they know that you have seen them as human beings, and especially for those who need help, put them at the same table where you are. This banquet table of which Christ speaks, will be filled with every race, color, gender, nationality. That is a glimpse of the kingdom. And today we begin this part of the building of God's kingdom on this earth as we seek with confident humbleness to go into the world, to be a servant for Christ, to wield our power in a responsible manner, And to show others that they are welcome at Christ's table. Hallelujah. Amen.